Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. We're talking insurance-linked policies or investment-linked policies, ILP for short today. Okay, somebody sent me an investment strategy. I like this um, financial advisor. You know, I think she has a heart as big as an ocean. I looked through it. It delivers superior performance with peace of mind, would offer me assets uh, that are well-diversified globally, uh, would give me access to AI funds that usually required a minimum of $200,000 transactions uh, to be able to access. It was being offered by an insurance company that I had previously had great experiences with. Uh, long story short, over 17 years, it would take my $1,000 per month and turn it to $431,797. Uh, you know, by the time I hit 65. Um, so about 8% per per annum we're looking at, right? So I thought, okay, interesting. Let me find out more about investment-linked policies. Now, some of these ILPs have this two-in-one function, right? They have life insurance coverage along with an opportunity to invest in a variety of professionally managed investment-linked funds, its biggest selling point. And most policies contain various packaged funds with diversified risks for consumers to choose from according to their risk appetite, so say the literature, and uh, respective funds that have sub-funds in stocks or bonds and more. And your premiums could be used to pay for units in the sub-fund of your choice, some say. So are they an affordable way to accumulate wealth with monthly premiums that you can decide on, offered by an insurer you may already know and trust? So are ILPs a great way to save for retirement goals or to pay off that mortgage early or not? So with ILP premiums, what are you paying for? Does your premium go more into paying off some charges than others as you age? So is this a useful tool or one that you should avoid? Joining me this morning to help me through all this is Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident. Good morning, Chris. Hi, good morning, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Always great to speak with you. Help us understand the history of ILPs. When did they first come onto the scene here in Singapore? Was it the 90s? Yeah, so ILP, I mean, which stands for Investment Link Policies, were first developed in the 90s. Yeah, so you're absolutely right because uh, at that time, I think a lot of people just know about whole life. Um, so ILP was uh, sort of like developed to offer better value proposition than traditional whole life plans. Okay. And why was such a product developed by insurers? Yeah. So maybe let's first understand a whole life plan, right? Mm-hmm. So a whole life plan is sort of like a protection policy that protects the policyholder for life. So what that means is that for every $1 premium a person pays to the insurer, a portion of it actually goes into cost. I mean, uh, costs such as uh, cost of insurance, agents commission, other policy costs. And then the remaining portions get invested by the insurer into their so-called life fund. Now, the burden then falls on the insurer to deliver a good return from the life fund. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you as a policyholder may not know and have no say to exactly what the insurer invests in. So as such, then ILP came up because uh, ILP, especially the old ones, they were called protection ILPs. They were developed to offer more transparency in cost and investment and for policyholder to have uh, ability to decide what they want to invest in. So let me illustrate again. So now for every $1 premium, a policyholder pays to the insurer for an ILP. After deducting a portion of it for 
you know, insurance costs, agent commission, all those things that I've said earlier on. Uh, the remaining now, instead of going into the life fund, now it goes into a unit trust that the policyholder decides on. So you see now there's more transparency. The burden of the performance is no longer that of the insurer, but well, that of the policyholder because he's the one that chooses the fund, right? And the fund managers that managing the fund. But well, because there were not as many unit trusts in the past today, the ILPs have, of those days have lesser funds to choose from. So, I mean, insurer basically, they, they develop uh, ILPs in the past to give more transparency to costs and uh, even the, the fund performance. So ILPs were developed to allow us more transparency and understanding into what, with, you know, for every dollar yes, after the right. fees, what were they being invested in? But you still have no say, right? Because it's, it's managed for you, correct? Well, at least you have a say on the funds and the region that you want to invest in, right? In the mm. life fund, you have absolutely no choice, right? Mm. So, you, I mean, for ILPs, at least you can choose the fund manager, you can choose uh, the region, you know, you can choose even equities, more equities or bonds. So, you have a choice. In fact, you even have a choice for cost, right? Because in the old protection ILP, you can decide your $1 premium how much goes into protection, how much goes into investment. So they allow flexibility in that way. So you, you actually have a lot more choice as compared to a whole life plan. Okay. Um, so in your opinion, what are the significant ways that the, these newer ILPs are different from the older ones? Have we covered most of it? Well, uh, not really. So well, they are quite different actually. Hmm. So the newer ILPs, let's call it uh, the wealth accumulating kind of ILP. Because remember I said that the older ILPs, they are mainly for protection, but the newer ILPs, they are designed for more accumulation investment, like what you have uh, described you know, when, yeah. uh, at the start of the program. So we can look at the difference in three areas. So the first area will be the structural aspect. So today, the newer ILPs, they have all these things such as uh, welcome bonuses and loyalty bonuses. Mm. So what's welcome bonus? And I'm sure, you know, if you look at your policy that's been proposed to you, you will see that, right? So the minute your policy gets incepted, uh, get incepted, you have this thing called welcome bonus, which the insurer will give you. And depending on the product you buy and from the insurance company that you buy from, the welcome bonus, Michelle, can be as high as 200% of your initial investment amount. Yeah, I saw right? that. That's quite a lot, right? And I thought no free lunch in this town. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. So the 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 second bonus is loyalty bonus, and uh, some insurer pays like 05 percent, one percent, or even up to two percent of the net asset value, which means the market value of your investment at that point in time. And you get this loyalty bonus annually as long as you don't withdraw any money from your ILP. And all this sounds really good, and you yeah. said, right, no free lunch, right? Mm. So, well, there's a lock-in, <laughs> right? So, because, you know, insurers give you all these attractive bonuses, and then they have to pay commissions to the agent. So, there's a cost upfront for the insurer. So, Michelle, if you surrender early, there will be a huge penalty. So, there is usually a lock-in period, and the lock-in period is usually the same as the premium payment term. So, this is the first difference. The second difference is really cost. Right. I would say generally, I mean, I don't have time. Otherwise, I'll break down all the costs for you. But I'll just generally say that the older, poly, uh, the older protection ILPs have more layers of costs. They're more expensive. Right? And to the insurance credit, the newer ILPs, the costs are lower because they reduce the layers of fees. Um, I mean, one very common fee that uh, you and me know would be like sales charge. Right? In the past, when you buy an ILP, uh, you have to pay a sales charge. So you pay one, you put $1,000 premium into the policy, uh, maybe only $950 get invested. 
But today, the newer ILP, the insurer pays the sales charge to the uh, to the agent. You don't have to pay, it. Hmm. right? So, hundred percent of it gets invested, right? So, this is just one example. I mean, there are a few other examples, but I'll, I'll say generally, the cost of the newer ILPs have come down. And yes, that is a good thing. Okay. Speaking about costs, I was wondering if you could help me understand some of the terminology of costs. Mm. Um, and I'll just reference that investment-linked policies that I was pitched. So they mention an account maintenance fee, AMF, mm. 4% per annum of IUA value. have no idea what those acronyms stand for. Mm. Then there's a policy maintenance fee. I think you mentioned that, 0.5% mm. per annum. Um, multiplied by the initial annualized regular premium, multiplied by number of years. So, okay, lots mm. of uh, acronyms. Account maintenance fee, policy maintenance fee, administration fee, that's a flat $120 per annum, mm. uh, investment management fee. So, mm. of my $1 that I'm putting into this, how much mm. is going to fees? Yeah, so... Uh, really complicated and so difficult to say in the ra- on the radio, right? So I'll just generally say this, right? When you buy an ILP, there are two main parts of the cost, Michelle, hmm. right? One part of it is the underlying cost of the unit trust that you choose. So the fund manager will charge you for that fee. So that is fund management fee, right? Sometimes we also call it total expense ratio, Okay. right? So that's one part, right? That's the fund you buy. You have to pay the fund manager for managing a portfolio. You have to pay the fee. Now, all the fees that you had mentioned earlier just now really is charged by the insurance company, right? So you mentioned account management fee, 4% of initial or IUA, right? IUA yeah. stands for initial unit account, okay? okay. So let's just call this, uh, call this port A, okay. the first port, mm. right? And then there's a second port which you mentioned, policy maintenance fee, Okay, which has a formula, you know, multiplied mm-hmm. by uh, this thing called the uh, AUA, which is the Accumulate uh, Unit Account. Okay. Okay, let's just call this Pot B. Mm-hmm. Right, so what goes into Pot A? So Pot A is, well, when the welcome bonus, when the insurer pay you a welcome bonus, and the number of years, uh, the initial number of years, the premiums that you pay, mm-hmm. all these go into Pot A. And they charge you a fee for that, right? And then the second port, port B, after the lock-in, th- there'll be more premiums that go into this port. And then they charge you a fee for that, mm-hmm. right? So they just separate, basically, the how much they charge you into these two ports. Okay, and then over and above that, they charge you a flat administration fee, mm-hmm. right? Now, today, the newest ILP, they made it simple for all of us to understand. They combine all these charges and they just call it a policy fee. Oh. Right? So you're paying quite a bit of the fees, okay? But, and, and it's all like very, very complicated. But today, the, the newer ILPs, they just simply park all these fees under this thing called annual policy fee. So you pay a certain percentage on it. So I hope that's clear. Yeah, pot A, pot B. Uh, startup bonus goes into pot A. Um, Part B is the accumulation unit account. Uh, policy yes. maintenance fee, administration fee um, is part B of the fees that you're paying. Yes, so both mm-hmm. has fees. It's just that the first part is charged based on the bonus they give you mm-hmm. plus your initial years of premium. Mm-hmm. Part B, well, they charge you a fee that is a percentage of subsequent premium. Now, okay. don't ask me why there's a difference, <laughs> okay? But that's the way they charge you. But today, they combine all these things into just one name called policy fee. But let me complete this, uh, okay, sure. uh, Michelle. I mentioned the difference is the structural difference. Right now, you get bonus, but you get locked in. 
Second, cost difference. And thirdly, the difference between the newer ILPs as compared to the older protection ILP is that today you have more fund choices, but they are still mostly actively managed funds that try to beat the market. So these are the three changes comparing them to the newer or comparing them to the older ones. Have your opinions on ILP changed over time, Chris? Do you think the newer ILPs are better than the older ones? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough question. I think firstly, they are different because the older ILPs are really meant for protection, whereas the newer ones are meant for pure investments. But in terms of cost, I would say, right, the newer ILPs, they are definitely of lower cost than the older ones. So in this regard, it has improved. Hmm. However, since these new ILPs are meant more for investment, I think we cannot compare them to the old ILP. We need to compare them apple to apple to um, available investments out there. Are they better than outside, uh, you know, the other types of investment? So maybe let me just say this. If you are using an advisor to help you invest your money, there are normally a few layers of fees. The first layer is the financial advisor ongoing fee, often called rep fees. And then the advisor may charge you a sales charge each time you invest. And then there is the unit trust fund management fee, also called total expense ratio. And then, well, your money is parked at a custodian or a platform. They charge you a fee as well. So there are four layers of fee. So, well, we run some numbers. I have no time to go through exactly. But I'll say that if you look at the ILP versus a FA that charge you, a financial advisor that charge you a a sales charge, a red fee, and they use expensive or those actively managed funds. It is possible, Michelle, that your ILP can be cheaper, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But however, if you use an advisor that use low-cost funds, mm. like ETFs and DEX funds, I mean, you know we use all these funds, low-cost, yeah. right? So I compare them, and actually, if you use low-cost funds, it is still cheaper than an ILP. And the final thing I want to say about this mm-hmm. is, if you are a DIY investor and you understand investment, well, ILP might be an expensive option for you. You have other cheaper options. Wonderful. Some of these policies say they provide, one of the selling points is, you know, you get access to professionally managed funds that otherwise would cost you a pretty penny to enter into $200,000 per mm-hmm. transaction, uh, for example. So for someone who's looking for wealth management services, but wants to start at an affordable entry point, do you think that the newer ILPs, um, maybe the investment only ones, are options worth considering? Yeah, I really have to share from, I mean, Providence point of view, because I, I mean, different people look at it differently. But mm. from our point of view, we first invest, uh, invest in assets that have what we call economic contribution, meaning to say there must be an economic basis or theory behind it. Mm-hmm. In this regard, I think ILP, they are fine, right? Because they invest in equities or bonds, which has got an economic basis. So I think this is fine. But... Well, the second pillar to our investment philosophy is that there must be sufficient evidence to show that this particular investment that you invest in, they can give you reliable long-term returns. In this regard from evidence, most active funds cannot beat the market. Mm -hmm. And for those that do, they cannot beat it consistently. So we think that ILPs may not be suitable in this regard because most of the time they use actively managed funds. Now, the third area of our investment philosophy is what we call implementation. And in terms of implementation, cost is a very important factor, mm-hmm. right? So as I've mentioned, the cost of ILP, well, although it has been lowered, but today there are better options like ETFs and index. So for us, we think that uh, we will not use ILP because we have better options. And finally, practical considerations, right? That's the fourth aspect of our investment philosophy. So 
what are some practical considerations like mm. liquidity needs, right? We all know that there is an exit penalty if you exit early from an ILP. So it's not so liquid. Now, some proponents say that this actually is good because it helps you, Michelle, to stay invested and not get out of the market when markets are volatile. Mm-mm. But I have to say that that is not firstly the reason that the, uh, uh, I mean, that's not the reason for the lack of liquidity. The reason for the lack of liquidity is because insurers incur a lot of expenses such as commission payment and all that upfront. So if you want to get out early, you get penalized. That's the reason why there's a, a liquidity. It was not designed to help you stay invested. We feel that there is a better way to help investors stay invested, uh, and that's through intentional risk coaching. And so we don't use ILP for that. right? So, I mean, that's our take. Uh, we think that, well, yes, ILP has improved, but if you have a better option in low-cost funds, index funds, ETF, uh, I think, well, uh, I would rather, or Provident would rather use this low cost because uh, it gives better returns. Got it. Just to that point about, um, you know, you're locked in for a certain period of time in liquidity, you could also choose an investment uh, solution with a shorter lock-in period, right? Yes, you can too, but you still have a lock-in. And mm-hmm. yes, I didn't answer one of your point as in, you know, uh, you mentioned that, well, it gives you access to some of the AI funds, you know, the good funds, which otherwise you can't. Mm-mm. Well, firstly, these funds, well, they may have good performance in the past, but mm. if they are active funds, evidence shows that well, they may not continue to beat the market in the long run. That's one. Secondly, if they don't and you don't like that fund manager anymore, Mm. now you're stuck with an ILP and if you want to switch to an ILP manager, your options are not so, I mean, the the choices are not so many, Mm -hmm. right? And what's worse if the fund manager decides to pull out, they don't want to work with the insurer anymore, then you're stuck with an ILP with another manager that you may not like. So don't go into the ILP just because you like that fund manager right? Yeah, because that may change. Mm-hmm. Really important points there. So, um, you know, the older ILPs had an insurance component. Nowadays, you can just buy those with investment components. So if you do need insurance, uh, should a person be looking at an ILP as an option or should they just buy term insurance and invest the rest? Yeah, I think if you're buying insurance for protection, you should definitely not buy an ILP meant for investing because the protection amount is very low. Mm. right? And if you are buying insurance for protection, you should buy a term plan because it is the most affordable way to be fully covered. Now, even if you don't invest the rest, still buy a term plan because uh, buying a term plan allows you to be sufficiently covered. Okay. And for those of us who have already have an ILP and are mm. now listening to this program, what should they do? Should they keep paying into it? Should they surrender them? Yeah, I think surrender, uh, surrendering a policy is often a very important decision that should not be taken lightly, especially if you have bought a protection ILP because you may have pre-existing illnesses now. And if you surrender the policy, you may not be able to buy another insurance policy without exclusions. Yeah. Right. And if you have bought a wealth accumulation ILP and you regretted it to Day, then I think you need to consider the penalty that you may have to suffer if you surrender early. And sometimes, I mean, you don't even have to surrender it, right? I mean, if the, the, the ILP is doing a job for you and you are happy with it, maybe you can keep it. But, well, I'll just say that maybe you should speak with your trusted advisor before making any decision. Okay. Just curious, uh, the penalties, Chris, mm. um, do they involve sort of wiping out everything that you've put into this ILP or is it like a percentage of what you put in? I mean, just generally from what you've seen. Yeah, but it's, uh, I think it's over time. I mean, it depends on when you give it up, right? So if the lock-in period is like 10 years, right, and you surrender it in the first year, yeah. I've not seen it. Mm. So I, I, I'll just say that you will lose a, sub, lose a substantial part of your capital, wow. right? Uh, but of course... 
uh, if you surrender it much later and nearer and nearer to uh, the the where the locking period ends, mm-hmm. then you lose lesser. Okay, so you really got to think through this commitment. What are some of the downsides to ILPs that you think individuals should be keenly aware of? Yeah, I think the most important thing for ILP is the cost, right? I mean, like I say, although the cost has improved, right? Ask yourself whether you have other lower cost options, right? That's one. Secondly, the structure, right? Do you like the fact that you are locked in, right? Because if you need to get out, then you might lose a large part uh, of your capital. And the third question to ask yourself is, do you like actively manage funds? Because evidence has shown, right? Even though this fund manager can be doing well today, but evidence has shown that in the long term, active fund managers they cannot beat the market. And for those that can, as I mentioned, they can't do it in a consistent way. So do you like an active manager? Right? If you don't like it, maybe then you want to go for other options. Lots of insights. Thank you, Chris, for being here. Yeah, I'm very happy to be back again. <laughs> so are ILPs a useful tool or one you should avoid? Love them or leave them? Will I buy this ILP? I've been talking ILPs with CEO of Provident, Christopher Tan. You've been listening to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.